Well, not a white Christmas, but a beautiful day out there. Oh, Lord is good. There are many names of God, and in each name uh, represents something of who he is and what he does. And I want to I want to talk about this one word from Isaiah uh, chapter seven, verse 14 says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Well, we have the same thing in Matthew uh, chapter 1. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. But now it goes on to say, which is translated, God with us. Now, I want to talk about Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us in many ways. I want to, I want to show three different ways. One is the general presence of God. He's everywhere. And another one where he manifests himself in certain ways. And the third one is the one that is near to us, nearest to us. We have scriptures but is the Bible just a textbook of principles? Moses speaks to the Israelites in the desert in Deuteronomy, and he says, Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? That's Moses speaking. So he's, he, he's letting us know about the scriptures. But the verse just before that, says, for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God whenever we call on him? So we must have God's nearness as well as the biblical truth. Isaiah chapter 29 says, then the Lord said, because this people draw near with me, uh, near with their words, and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. That's kind of sad. What is it like to have the Lord near, to have his presence manifest? Do we live like that? Can we? Would we even know if he was withdrawn his presence from us? Would we continue to go through the motions and have church like always and not even know that he wasn't with us? Would we even know that? Or would we be calling out like Elijah, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? So his presence in three forms. We know that God is everywhere present. Psalm 139, wonderful verse. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. 
If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. God is everywhere, and we we talk about that. We know that. God is everywhere present, always. But how about his manifest presence? There's examples in the Scripture. Uh, In Exodus, Moses is talking. All, All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So we know that God has uh, made his presence known at times, and that was when he was giving the Ten Commandments. Also in Exodus For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was fire in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel. God was showing his presence. And these are are real things. We have to stop and say, this is not just a a cartoon, a a myth, or just a fable to teach us something. This actually happened. These things were going on. Can you imagine the, what, almost two million people and, and there in the center at the tabernacle was this cloud by day and fire by night. <clears throat> there are other examples of God showing his power through the prophets and his presence in the tabernacle. But we know in revival and I'm saying real revival, uh, is God is among his people. It's a special visitation, a special move of God that can affect some and not others. God's unusual nearness to his people, a nearness that can cause us to be preoccupied with him. That's, that's a revival. That's when, when God is moving. It's, remember, a revival isn't something that we uh, schedule. <laughs> it's God shows himself uh, to us. I wanted to uh, share some things I've got in this book that we went through several years ago from the Behold Your God series. Uh, remember that when we say God is near, we, we seem to go back to Oh, yeah. Well, he's always around. He's always present. But I'm talking about the type of thing that you might say, you know, my dad and I are not close. What do you mean? You live with him. You know, well, we're not close. And that's the kind of nearness that I'm talking about here. In revival, the manifest presence of God is evident to all involved regardless of their response to it however the cultivated presence of god may be enjoyed by an individual or a group while others are unaware of his nearness the cultivated presence of god is perhaps the most encouraging of the three descriptions of god's presence 
Most of us have never experienced a widespread revival where the presence of God was manifested. It is a heartwarming truth that even when an individual or a church lives in a time when God has withdrawn his manifest presence from the land, they may cultivate the kind of life to which God delights to draw near. Most of the Old Testament saints live this kind of life, surrounded by spiritual darkness and compromise. They were careful to walk near God. They enjoyed the nearness of God even in a time when others did not. Their lives became shining lights in a dark period. This has also been true of many Christians that we read about in church history. Few of our spiritual heroes lived in times when the manifest presence of God was commonly enjoyed in the churches, yet they cultivated the kind of life to which God was pleased to come near. A word of caution would be that to remember God cannot be cultivated or manipulated into drawing near his people by anything they do. Yet his people may cultivate the type of life to which he delights to draw near. You know, I don't know if I'm even talking about something that you desire, but when you taste and see how good the Lord is, you want more. You want more. In Hebrews, the Old Testament and the New Covenant The two covenants are contrasted. In Hebrews 7, he says, For on the one hand, there is a setting aside of a former commandment because of its weakness and uselessness. And on the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. James chapter 4, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, in Scripture, we're, we're taught that there is a time when you're not near, but you can draw near, and God will draw near to you. James uh, chapter 4 also says, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. In Psalm 73, But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Hebrews 11. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes, or draws near, to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Psalms 51. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So this is where we can cultivate our own lives, where God is pleased and will draw near. Isaiah 57, For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place, and also with a contrite and lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Psalms 34, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. 
The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are contrite in spirit. In Ephesians chapter 2, remember that you were at at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, and this is wonderful, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Psalms 145, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Back to Hebrews chapter 10, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from all evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Spurgeon has a a sermon on the nearness of God where he discusses that we are only able to come near because of the work of Christ and who is incarnate. And he quotes this saying in his sermon, so near, so very near to God, we cannot nearer be, for in the person of his Son, we are as near as he. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. All this happened because God manifests himself in a child, in a human. And he said, his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And is this very thing that we should and do desire? Taste and see how good the Lord is. Let the Lord just fill you with that joy and with that peace. Uh, this is a time of celebration. This is a wonderful time, but uh, it, was a, it was a hard road to get there for Jesus came as a babe, but had to suffer and die that these things would be possible. The nearness of God. Thank you, Lord, that we can call upon you in a humble and contrite spirit and you will manifest your presence among us and in our hearts. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.